You are listening to Spire Sessions Podcast, proudly brought to you by Spire Research and Consulting. Hi everyone, welcome to the Spire Sessions, an online series where we talk about interesting developments, trends and opportunities in hot industry. This is our special food series. I'm Marie, and today our guest is Mr. K.F. Sito. Mr. K.F. Sito is a food consultant, founder of Food Court Makan Sutra, and street food expert. He is also very passionate in giving a voice to and helping hawkers in Singapore, especially during the pandemic. Singapore's rich and vibrant hawker culture joined the UNESCO representative list of the intangible cultural heritage of humanity in 2020. My first question to Mr. Sito is about the award and about this hawker culture of ours. In 2018, I was invited to go on a focus group talk with the National Heritage Board about, you know, um, identifying the next uh, UNESCO culture that we could receive some award for. And I, I brought up hawker culture, which was a very grey, which were very grey words. Hawker culture. What is hawker culture? You know, it's not, it's not about chicken rice or chapitiao or nasi lemak. Um, <clears throat> so I we, we delved into um, you know the criteria um, and I said uh, you know hawker culture is part of our skin it's who we are it's our daily life a few million hawker food meals are served every day I, I kid you not these are facts one million meals alone is served in the hawk, public hawker centers if you include all the other private coffee shops and all that <clears throat> that number can come up to three million hawker meals served a day. So that's quite overwhelming. And people's affinity for it, when people travel, they come back, they miss their food. Food reminds them of their parents, their lifestyle, the government is into it. The, the, the industry supplies heavily. There's a big industry about it, um, supplying to the industry and, and, and the uh, the hawkers, they thrive on it. They, they And in <clears throat> together, they lend a certain brand and culture to it. And that's what we got the award for. Um, so after I suggested it, um, uh, I think PM made the announcement four months later. And on my birthday last uh, two years, uh, last year <laughs> in December, they gave me the award. That's a sign that, gosh, I should, I, that I must be doing more. I asked Mr. Sito where the hawker culture is right now and how it is moving forward. Here is what he has to say. So you ask how is this culture moving along? Um, as it is because of COVID, it, it, it's quite bleak. Um, as you noted, I made some noise about how governance behind hawker culture is. It doesn't seem to make a lot of sense, especially when hawker stalls are <clears throat> really operated by um, individuals who come out um, and um, embark on this micro level of entrepreneurship. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of them have done pretty well. They support themselves, they support their family. Some have even done very, very well. There was one dish, there are lots of one dish entrepreneurs that have gone on to support two, three, even three generations of uh, family members. 
houses, cars, send them to education, overseas education, etc., etc. Yeah. Um, there is, there is. We are talking about um, success in the business. Yes, there's a lot of opportunities. Right. I've always advocated that we must have a hawker academy, uh, institution where you train not just uh, people to cook food and run a hawker stall and try to balance your everyday hawker stall books. I think it should be an academy, an institution where they um, distill three sixty information about the world of uh you know uh hawker street food um can you do besides opening a stall in the nea run hawker center how can i conquer the world with one dish like mcdonald's like you know, for lack of a better uh um, um uh, reference uh kfc or even a pizza how do they take it to the world with just one thinking one idea how did they become a a monster of a company um, those things I feel we should um, distill share with a new generation of uh, potential hawkers that can come in and say I can I can shine beyond this these shores how do I say um, bring maybe Nasilama or even Kaya Kaya is you know is one of the first few that's went around the world how do I bring that around the world? How do I open a world-class chain of chicken rice and reinvent its culture, reinvent its packaging, reinvent the story, tell it um, the way the world wants to hear it, you know, and, and create the food. How do you do that? Maybe in five, ten years' time, you will not see, your, you rightly put it, you will not see a lot of dishes um, because people are talking about my grandmother's uh, food and all that. In five, ten years' time, the, the grandmothers of then are, will, will be quite are quite young, the Gen X people, you know. They wouldn't have seen a lot, heard a lot, tasted a lot. They wouldn't have had the connection with their grandmothers of the 60s yeah. and post-war generation. There's a disconnect. Um, so um, a lot of people, you'll be, I, I suspect, will be seeing a lot of the same old, same old stuff. I can predict down the road, you, you won't see young hawkers coming up to do chai fan, zap chai peng. Right. A lot of work to whip up 30, 40 dishes come lunchtime for yes. beautiful point. People struggle to cook one or two items. People whip them up, you know, with consistent flair and technique every day. Nobody teaches you to do that. If the Malaysians don't come and run a stall on behalf of some of the chains, or if these things don't come out of a central factory, uh, you will see less and less of that. Uh, and uh, um, there's a host of other stuff that will not be uh, be available, I suspect, in 10 years' time. I also asked Mr. Sito about the state of entrepreneurship in our food scene. And, and come on, our food here is world-class. If we travel enough, you know we have enough of a product and story to take on the world. So the entrepreneurial um, blood behind street food culture is very weak. Uh, it's not flowing as fast. Since the pandemic hit last year, we saw the closing of many eateries, including some well-known favourites and even high-brow Michelin-starred restaurants. Mr. Sito talked about these awards as well as measures that could help these hawkers. I think they removed one of the Michelin-star hawkers and all that. Uh, they put a whole list. No, whatever... 
Michelin or whatever um, Michelin rates, uh, especially in this COVID era, is quite um, quite fruitless. I mean, who wants an award during COVID? And Michelin, as you know, targets uh, tourists. It's, it's well known. You look at all the people that go to all the Michelin. They are the tourists. Good, good. And, and I think, I believe it's supported by the tourism boards um, in, in some uh, manner. But I feel in, in these times, um, in fact, in all times, the awards should really be encouraging the industry. I mean, if you tell us, tell people, tell Singaporeans what's good, huh? Singaporeans don't need Michelin to tell them what's good. They know everybody is a food guy, you know. Uh, and I feel <clears throat> as a big institution like Michelin, in times like this, they should roll up their sleeves and help the eateries that um, they rank and rate. They should help the industry that props them up. If there are no restaurants, there will be no Michelin. If there are no hawkers, there will be no Michelin. So they should do their bit um, to support in some way, address some form of continuity or inspire. Or inspire. But, um, I mean, who wants an award right now? <laughs> people need business. People need help me get up on my feet, you know? So mm-hmm. that, that was a comment I made uh, some time ago about this. Um, even post-COVID times, um, you may like to address... You know, the, the guide may want to help bring more tourists in. But again, I, I addressed earlier that uh, we need to look at the problems of sustainability. If guides like this or any other international awards can sit down and put their head together, if, if uh, and, and somebody put a question to them, you know, you come and wait, what are you doing to help sustain this culture? Some of the top restaurant awards, restaurant awards are now ranking Hawkers. So, so what are you doing to address continuity and sustainability? You know, one of the richest FMB, the richest FMB entrepreneur in Singapore, who's already a Singaporean, is bought like a fifty million dollar house here. It's your Haiti Lao. Yeah. Uh, the guy is a he's, he's ranked way up there. He just does steamboat. You know, he's got hundreds and hundreds of outlets around the world. Mm-hmm. Do you think the guy is a scholar? No, the guy is just a sharp, street smart entrepreneur. Something no amount of studying can um, help you achieve. Um, so sometimes um, education must switch on, must take on reality. <clears throat> um, you got to have your foot on the ground. Finally, what can we expect from our hawker culture in the next five to ten years? I think I think the menu will shrink because people understand less of their culture. Um, they only cook what's trending on the internet, what they can find on YouTube. But if you find an old dish that you want to revive, that your grandmother from you know the boomer generation cooked or something like this, you will have a problem because a new generation don't know what on earth that is. They may not cook. So anybody wishing to be a hawker who want to cook naturally things that people will buy and eat. It's about commerce and survivability. But uh, um, today, no. So, so if you ask me, um, uh, how will it be in 10 years? 
there are hawker centers will still be there. You can still have hawker food, but it won't be as dynamic. Some other countries may take over this crown. Um, it's also because of the culture, the, the people here, the more, you know, this uh, culture of affluence, people are educated, they have more money. Mm. Um, the thinking will change um, because the era of, the golden era of street food culture back in the day came when people were desperate. No? They had no choice. They had to be um, innovative. Uh, they could come up with stuff. Today, no. You don't really see people um, trying to push uh, the boundaries, they're just sticking to what's safe. Thank you for joining us on this special food series. Please like, subscribe and share this video. You can also find the audio version of this interview in the links in the description below. Thank you for listening to the Spire Sessions podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast feed. You can also check out our website, spireresearch.com or drop us an email at spire at spireresearch.com.